Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. It's wonderful to see you all here today. Got to greet a few of you coming in and hope to beat, greet more of you going out. We've been in an awesome study on the book of Colossians. And if you have one of these little black books and you've been able to read it, you've probably learned, like I have, that the more you read it, the more God reveals to you ways that we can grow up in him and even experience more life, a better life, a good life. And that's what today's message is about, living the good life that Jesus came to give us. Paul's been uh, giving us an awesome foundation for what we believe as Christians. He has established in the beginning that, that Jesus is indeed God's son, that Jesus came as God in the flesh, and he has enabled us to see Jesus in a way that we can see him as all-powerful and why we can trust him with our lives. Paul also has made it very, in the very beginning of Colossians, Paul began to make it very clear that when we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord over our lives, there ought to be some changes take place, right? That if we say, okay, Jesus, I want to give my old life to you and I want the new life that you came to give, that we ought to be able to, to be different, that there ought to be changes that are seen. And the Holy Spirit now lives within us to enable us to live out those changes, we must be intentional, however, about giving the Holy Spirit control in our lives and not trying to control things ourselves. Paul tells us that each day as we ask God to give us spiritual wisdom and understanding, that there will be changes in our lives and they will honor and please God. We will be strengthened by his glorious power so that we will all have the endurance and the patience that we need to live the life that Jesus came to give us. We accept Jesus as our Savior. We ask him to take all that we are and give us all that he is. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, God really got the short end of the stick on that one. Because when I came to Jesus, I had always known about him. I, I went to church, and, and at a young age, I even, um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to be a Christian, I wanted to live the Christian life, and I accepted Jesus when I was 11. But for me later on, there was a recommitment where I went back and I said, Lord, my life is really a mess. I've been living out my own plan. You know, I used the Bible as a guideline. I was moral, but I wasn't living the life that Jesus came to give me. And the day that I really recommitted my life and accepted him as Lord over my life and gave him that opportunity to reign in my life and allow his Holy Spirit to work through me, that is the day that my life went from a mess to something really beautiful and worth living. God gives us the Holy Spirit, and he strengthens and empowers us to live lives that are pleasing to him. But we have to make that choice to allow him to work within us. We can't do this on our own, so we ask him through his Holy Spirit to help us let go of the old things and to live the new life. Pretty soon people begin to notice that there's a change. They may even ask you, you seem different. Why are you so different? 
And we have a chance to tell them that, you know, I'm living differently. I've given Jesus my old nature, and I've got new attitudes. I've got new behaviors. I am trying to leave behind those grumblings and groanings and complaining, the negative things in my life, and press on for the better things in life through the power that Jesus gives me. You know, Jesus came to deliver new life, the good life. The good life, the new life was this. He came to restore our relationship with God to the relationship Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning. When God created them, he walked with them. When God created them, they lived with him, communicated with him, had open conversations with him. Can you imagine being in God's presence all the time? Wouldn't that just be so awesome? I think, and I think you will agree with me, that Adam and Eve lived the good life. And God promised he would restore that. So through Jesus, when Jesus came, he came and gave his life to give us new life to restore us back to the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God before the fall. Eve really blew it for us. I, I think of this every Saturday, every Saturday when I'm sorting the laundry, and I have for years as I've sorted the laundry, I thought, you know, if Eve would have just thought this through a little bit better, we'd never have a laundry day. <laughs> I'm sure there are many other things that we can think about that, that would have been good too, but that's the big one. When Jesus came, he brought the good news. And here's our good news. My friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, the people in our homes, no one has to live under their own power, under their own plan, in the darkness, in the confusion, in the negativity of this world. No one has to live that way. Because the good news is this. Our relationship with God is no longer a long list of rules and regulations. We now have the same relationship with God that Adam and Eve had. A one-on-one -on -one relationship. A one-on-one. -on -one. And even to build on that good news is this. We don't have to wait until we die to experience the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told us the kingdom of heaven is within you. What do you think of when you think of heaven? I like to think of heaven because I think of heaven as a place where there is peace always, joy, no anxious thoughts, no anger, and no disillusionment. Jesus told us that we can live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He told us we can live that life. If we actually lived with those things, which are known as the fruit of his Holy Spirit living within us, can you imagine what our lives would be like? The negativity in our lives would be gone. And Jesus is saying it is possible to have the kingdom of heaven within you, to live with the fruit of the Spirit always present We have to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work in our lives. Our take-home point this week is simply this. Jesus came 
to deliver good news and to give us the good life. If you do not have one of these little black books that I was holding, we'd like to give you one. If you're new today or you're visiting or you didn't get one in the first place, if you raise your hands, we have people that will pass one out to you. This has our scripture in it, and you can have one of these. has the whole book of Colossians. Um, we're going to be on page 20 today, so if you brought your book with you, we're going to do page 20, and we're reading Colossians 3, verses 1 through 11. If you brought your cell phone, you can go to your Bible app, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 11. And if you brought your Bibles, it's still Colossians 3, 1 through 11. I think we have a couple more right over here. Okay. I'm going to encourage you to use this book more than just this morning, too. I have been reading the whole uh, book of Colossians multiple times since we started this this summer. And every time I read it, God just builds more and more on that foundation that he is laying for us. And you will just learn and, and new things will be unfolded to you. It will be a great learning and growing process for you. Okay, verse 1, starting out. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you that we can come to you at any time of the day or night. We thank you, God, that you are always there and your word tells us that you, in fact, bend down to bring your ear closer to our lips to hear what we have to say to you. We thank you, God, that you want a relationship with us, that you see things in us that we sure don't see in ourselves. And we thank you for the new life, the good life that Jesus came to give. Open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to your message for each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the first things Paul tells us is to set our minds on things that are above. When we are followers of Jesus, we begin to think about new things, and we think about things in a different way. Things that have eternal value, lasting value. We have given up the things that have rotted away, the things that just aren't working for us. And we want the new life. We want the things that are eternal. And so we turn to Jesus, who gives us things that will last forever. 
I said in the last message, I said, things that cannot expire, die, rot, rust, or become technologically obsolete. That's one of my pet peeves. I just don't understand all this new technology. I know my age is showing. But it's really tough to give up your paper and pencils and notes and paper clips. And, but I'm trying. I'm trying very hard. And God is going to help me each and every day as I ask him to give me the strength to do that as well as all the other things that we're called to do. The action that we must take is to give God control over our thoughts. We are to take every thought captive. Everything that enters our mind before it goes through our lips, we need to think about, would this honor God? Would this be something that would bring God glory? We, when we want the good life, when we're going to live the good life, then we need to take control over our thought life. It needs to stop. Paul said, take it captive. The good life begins in your thought life. Right action begins with right thinking. The old is gone and the new has come, and we get a fresh start, and that's pretty amazing. So think of this. Jesus told the disciples, they're now followers of him. He tells them that they can have a new life in him and that they will have eternal life if they continue to follow him and love him, if they've chosen him. And he's trying to explain to them what that new life looks like, not just on earth, but in heaven. So he says to them, I'm going to go away for a little while. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm taking you with me. So Paul is also telling us in those first two verses this very thing. He says, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, you'll share in his glory. And this is what Paul meant by that. As a follower of Jesus, when Jesus comes back, he's taking you with him. He's taking us to heaven, where he's going to reign eternally. Where? At the right hand of God. And so when he's introduced to the world who rejected him, and God holds him up as his son and places him in that place of honor, we're going to be standing with him on the winning team. Jesus came to pick us up and transform us and place us onto the winning team. We get to share in his glory. What an awesome privilege. What an awesome privilege to be there at that moment. When I first came to New Life, one of the young people that was baptized, Pastor Chris had asked him, um, why is it that you come tonight to be baptized? Why do you want to be baptized this evening? And this young man, who really wasn't very old, simply said, I want more of Jesus. I'd never heard it put that way, and I really liked it. I want more of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, in the King James Version, which is an older version of the Bible, says simply this, fix yourself on Jesus. I like that too. I want to be fixed on Jesus. We are on a journey. Growing in Jesus is a journey that we must choose every day. We begin a lifelong process of working with the Holy Spirit who is going to shape and mold us more and more each day into the likeness of Jesus. It doesn't come naturally. It's not easy. You have to work for it. Work at it. You can't earn it. That's not what I mean. 
You have to be determined to persevere. You have to allow God to work in your life, to allow his Holy Spirit to work in your life and not keep taking back that control yourself. When my youngest son was in first grade, he had a brand new pair of black Nike tennis shoes that he was very proud of. And he also had to get the school bus pretty early. So one morning when the school bus was coming, he came running down the steps and he sat there and he said, Mom, tie my shoes. The bus is going to be coming. I told him, you're in first grade now. It's time that you learn to tie your own shoes. I can't. It's too hard. I make those bunny ears and they're too loose. And then they come untied and my teacher says, you have to stop and tie your shoes. And then I, I can't get them tied. Mom, just tie my shoes. I said, no, you're in first grade now. You need to learn to tie your own shoes. Now, that might sound harsh to you, but you have to remember that he was my eighth child. And it had been 16 years that I had been tying shoes. And I was really done. And he was now in first grade. Now, just between you and me, and never share this, I never told him that the firstborn child in my family, a son, whom some of you may know, I was still tying his shoes, probably in the fifth grade. <laughs> because he was my first, and he was the only child for eight years. I did everything. You know, so I'm tying his shoes, and I learned that that was not good, because to this day, the boy doesn't wear shoes that have ties. <laughs> I learned. I'm a slow learner. This little first grader was going to learn to tie his shoes, or I gave him a choice. I said, now, Jaden, if that's too hard and you don't want to try to tie your shoes, we can go back to the Power Ranger Velcro shoes. <laughs> he thought about that for a little bit. He loved Power Rangers. But kindergartners, they wear Power Ranger Velcro. First graders wear black Nikes, and he learned to tie his shoes. Sometimes we have to make choices like that, too. What am I willing to settle for? And what do I really want? More of you, Jesus. More of you in my life each and every day. More of you in the words that I say. More of you in my attitudes. More of you. Paul says this to us, and he makes it pretty clear. He says, now that you know these things are offensive to God, don't do them. What things are offensive to God? Before we become a follower of Jesus, we may not realize that some of the behaviors and attitudes and things that we do and say are offensive to God. But Paul gave us a pretty good list, didn't he? He starts out by saying, in your sinful nature, we have sexual purity. We have, I'm sorry, let's start. Paul says, have nothing to do with sexual. This is getting worse instead of better. In verse 5 of your little black book or your Bible or your Bible app, Paul says, put to death the sinful earthly things that lurk within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impure thoughts, lust, and evil de desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Most of the items that Paul has listed there have to do with sexual purity, stressing the importance of keeping that relationship under the lordship of Jesus. 
Sexual immorality refers to every kind of sexual activity outside of marriage as it was given in Genesis 1 and 2 from God. That is the definition of marriage, and anything outside of God's definition of marriage is sexual impurity. And you may look at that and say, well, I don't struggle with any of those things, so I think, that I'm, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to worry about the sin in my life. But then Paul goes on, doesn't he? He goes on and he says, but there are a few other things. Paul wasn't finished. He says, in fact, their sinful nature is made up of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language, and lying. So maybe if you didn't see anything that is still lurking within you in the first list, you might find a couple things in the second list that still are in there that try to come out, even though the Holy Spirit lives within you. I like when, when Pastor Chris speaks, he talks to us all the time about how, you know, he uses his hands and he says, I have the Holy Spirit living in me, helping me do the right things, but my natural life is always pushing to do the things that aren't so right. And they work against each other. But what do we do? We have to give control to the Holy Spirit. And that's the choice that we have to make if we want to live the life that Jesus came to give us, the good life, the new life. If you know these things are offensive to God, stop doing them. We tell our children that. You're always in trouble. Why do you keep doing those things when you know you're going to get in trouble? You know, doesn't it make sense to you that if your child is always getting in trouble, why don't they just stop doing what you've told them not to do? And here's our Heavenly Father saying, okay, Jane, it's time to eat your words. If you keep doing those things, which I've already talked to you about in the past, that you know you shouldn't do, why do you keep on doing them? So each day we make that choice to do the things that God has for us to do. God made the rules, and he had the right to make the rules because he's our creator. But another way to look at it is this. God gave us rules so that as our father, we could live a life that is best for us. As our father, he knows what is best for us. Our own plans haven't worked all that well. Obeying these rules will not save us. Obeying the rules that God sets down, those things that he tells us to avoid, they don't save us. But being obedient is a response, a response of gratitude for the new life that he has given to us. We want to please our Heavenly Father. We want to be more like his son. Paul wrote, put on your new nature and be renewed as you know your creator and become more like him. Each week we see, seek to give you a little reminder of how to apply the message that we've delivered to you through God and help you live with it, live through it, help it, help you grow. Today's commitment the commitment is, I will take off my old sinful nature and live a life that pleases God this week.
In this new life, it doesn't matter whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you are a slave or free, barbaric, nothing matters. Christ is all that matters. This message is for everyone. Jesus came to invite everyone to be part of the new life. No one is excluded. And everyone everywhere is invited to accept him as their Lord and Savior. When we walk with Jesus, it can be a good life. In fact, it can be the best life ever. But we have to give control. Our control we have to give up and give control to God's Holy Spirit. When our walk is new, we get really excited. We're excited about being a Christian and we're excited about the possibilities we have. But sometimes after a while, we get kind of used to that life and old ways begin to creep in. And maybe you don't even realize that they've been creeping in. But remember, Paul used the word lurking. Sometimes they're still lurking in there and we find that they're starting to come out. Remember the cartoon where there's a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other? It's kind of that way. We know now the things that God wants us to do. And we have that little angel on our shoulder that is always reminding us that Jesus, his, he ransomed us. His blood covered our sins. He paid the price that we could never pray, pay. He paid the price we could never pay. We have new life because of him. But then there's this other little part that natural, earthly, human part that says, yeah, but I deserve this. Oh, yeah, but this shouldn't have happened to me. You know, I think uh, the selfie sermon that week, the selfie sermon drove it home. We're a, a world of selfies. God is so amazing. His plan for us is so amazing. If we give up our own plans and walk in his plan, it is amazing what he will do in us and through us. We will have the good life, a better plan, better life. Peace, love, and joy prevail in our homes. Who doesn't want that? We all want that, don't we? Don't we want peace? I'm going to ask you to take a seven-day challenge with me this week. That seven-day challenge is going to be the commitment. I'm going to ask you each and every day to ask God to give you the power to live the life that he has created you to live. I'm going to ask you that each and every day you will say, I will take off my old sinful nature and live a life that pleases God this week. Can you imagine what that would look like if we did that? Friends and family members may not notice or may notice that we're no longer wearing that anger that we usually wear when things don't go our own way. Or maybe we'll take off that impatience and our coworkers and neighbors and family members and the world in general will see that we have the ability to wait patiently as we wear these new clothes, it won't just be us who experiences the good life. 
it will be all those around us. And what better way to make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ than to wear those new clothes and ask pe have people ask us where we got them because they want to wear them too. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior. Maybe no one's ever asked you if you wanted to. Maybe people have assumed you're a Christian because you grew up in church. Maybe you've assumed you're a Christian because you've grown up in a church or with a form of religion. If you have never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to take the old and give me the new. Then I just want to give you that opportunity right now to do that. To ask God to come into your life through the power of salvation that he gives to us, his son Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us to give us a new life. If you've never accepted that, just say, Jesus, I want more of you. I give you my old life, and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And it will be a whole new life. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. But maybe those things lurking within you have been pushing through lately in those little cracks and crevices of our heart. And if you see today that maybe that's been happening, maybe it's time to recommit your life to Christ. To say, Jesus, you know, I just want, I want to rededicate myself. I want to recommit. I want to walk with you closer again. I want the power of your Holy Spirit to guide me and lead me each and every day. And you want to make a recommitment. Maybe you came in here today just as excited and full of the Holy Spirit as you have been and you're living the life that God has designed for you and you are fulfilled and happy in every way. And that is awesome. But it just keeps getting better, so don't settle there. Ask him, I want more of you. Show me, Lord, where you're opening the doors and help me to walk through them and work through me, work in me, to do all that you would have me to do to bring honor to your name and to bring others into your kingdom. In your connection, Brad had you take this out earlier. There's an area here. It gives you the opportunity, if you've accepted Jesus for the first time today, if you would just put a check mark there. If you've recommitted your life to Jesus, if you'd just put a check mark there. We don't do this because we're keeping track of who's where. We're doing this because we want to come alongside you in your journey. We're going to be praying for you. We want to lift you up. We want to help you in any way we can to be all that God has created you to be and help you live the life that he created you to live. Let's just close with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much again for our time to be with you today. We thank you, God, that you hear us. Your word tells us that you bend down and you put your ear to our lips to hear what we have to say. 
Father God, you love us so completely. You give us peace and joy that the world could never give us. Help us today, God, to acknowledge all that you have given to us and to accept the invitation to live in a way that pleases you and honors you in a way, God, where the good news of Jesus Christ is made alive everywhere. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.